Welcome to the Arts Report on CITR 101.9 FM. My name is Christine Kim, and I will be your host for today's show. The date this afternoon is January the 18th, and the location of broadcast is the University of British Columbia Vancouver campus on unceded Musqueam territory. To start off the episode, I have a brave new playwright segment by our very own Ashley Park. Take a listen. Hi there, everyone. My name is Ashley Park. I am with Ms. Barbara Elson for Brave New Playwrights. She is a director, and what we're going to be talking about is the dreaded fear that actors have, which is auditioning. Hello, and welcome to the show, Ms. Elson. Thank you. Really, really excited to be here. This is great. All right. Well, first of all, let's talk about you. Let's talk about Brave New Playwrights. How did you get involved? Right. Well, Brave New Playwrights, as you probably know, has been a festival of new playwriting work produced by UBC, by the MFA students, since 1986. Mm -hmm. The first time I was involved with Brave New Playwrights was years and years ago. And really? I was actually in a brave new play. It was called Blue for Boys. Mm -hmm. I don't know if anybody <laughs> will ever remember that. However, th this year when I saw the call out for directors, I put my name in because I find it to be a very exciting festival. Mm -hmm. And do you have many directing experience? Mm -hmm. I don't have a huge repertory of directing, mm -hmm. but I have more in writing and in acting. Oh, in acting. In acting, yeah. Stage mm -hmm and some commercial television. <laughs> <laughs> well, but I do, I do have quite a lot of stage experience uh, mm -hmm. in the community, and I have a little bit of directing experience. I wrote and directed my own play for the Fringe Festival for oh. a couple of years, yes. and I have been lucky to be an assistant director uh, in a couple of very good productions, one of which, Company, mm -hmm. is nominated for an ovation award oh wow for, yeah best musical best actor best ensemble something three awards anyway mm -hmm. well, so we're, we're very excited about that well you're <laughs> yeah. a very accomplished so, person coming in to help with brave new playwrights i know for sure they're doing auditions that are coming up mm -hmm. quite soon isn't quite that in soon. Right. january 22nd 23rd january uh this weekend yeah in fact yes we are looking we have a full roster of lovely looking actors who are going to be showing up mm -hmm. and they will be auditioning the dreaded audition <laughs> everyone needs to prepare a piece they come in front of the directors everybody's nervous <laughs> and of course what people who are auditioning need to remember and i tell myself this when i audition although i tend to forget mm -hmm. what people need to remember is that the director is your friend Mm. The directors are wanting you to do your best, you want to do your best, but the directors are not there to criticize you. Mm -hmm. They are there simply to see you showcase your talent. For some people who are triple threats, it's singing and dancing and acting, <laughs> but whatever it is, people who are coming out to audition, who have learned their monologues, who maybe have had some coaching, who are nervous, who are scared, should really remember the directors are looking for the best fit for their play. Mm -hmm. They are on your side. They want you to do well. That's actually a, to be honest, that's actually a tip I would not have expected to kind mm -hmm. of hear. Usually mm -hmm. people don't talk about how the director is your, your friend. They're always going, breathe and blah, blah. Mm -hmm. And it's very kind of an internal, like, own your own mind thing. Mm -hmm. Whereas what you're coming with is, like, more like relating to other people, which I feel that 
to be honest, acting it should be more about mm-hmm. that, not really mm-hmm. kind of caught in your own body, but how you are there with other people. It's a combination. Mm-hmm. I mean, you need you need to be centered in yourself. I see. Uh, you need to know what you're saying. Mm-hmm. You need to understand your monologue and why it's there. Hopefully, you have read the play from which you have <laughs> from which you have taken good. the monologue. Yes. But once you're there and you can be in the moment. If you remember that you are a colleague of the director, Mm -hmm. they are your colleagues, they are your fellow artists across the table, yes, but they are not some kind of, you know, God authority that are sitting (laughs) up on a chair ready to judge you if you take a moment and, oops, forgot your line. Mm -hmm. It's not like that at all. All the directors I have ever auditioned for in Vancouver and in the community, and I include the uh, film and television directors as well, are the warmest and kindest people. Mm-hmm. You can go in, you can start, and then you go, oh, uh, can, can I start again? <laughs> Sorry. And they'll say, yeah, take a moment, mm-hmm. breathe, find yourself, and do it again. And it's a collaboration because that's what theater is. You know, mm-hmm. there are di- there's a director, there's a stage manager, there are actors, there are key, or key and initially there's a writer, it is a collaboration among people. It is not a top-down authoritative thing. Speaking about now your role as director and with auditions, now that you're in the director's seat, what do you usually look for in a, let's say, for example, I don't want to be qualitative, but in a good audition? What is the things that directors are, you know, kind of have the eye for? That's a really difficult question to answer. Of course. Because I think the circumstances change. For instance, the play that I'm directing, which is called Bait by Alyssa Heroes, Mm -hmm. that play requires um, two actors, and one of them is specifically an older Japanese man. Mm, I see. And what I am going, of course, obviously I'm going to be looking for that he's Japanese, Mm -hmm. that he's the right age, that he's a man. Of course. (laughs) And first of all, we'll narrow the range of people that I can be looking at or thinking of in terms of the play. That's true. Sometimes it is simply a manner, a sense. Some of it's intuitive. Mm -hmm. Uh, Some of it is if you can see past a person's nervousness, if you can look at them and kind of go, yes, that's exactly right. There are books on how to audition, but as for books on how to pick the right person, that I don't know. True. But I think I think a lot of it is intuitive. You have to come in with an with a very good idea of the play, mm-hmm. obviously. You have to come in with your vision of the play. Mm-hmm. If you've had a chance, as we do with Brave New Playwrights, to work with the writer, mm-hmm. that's very, very helpful because the writer has had an idea and that kind of informs your first response, if you like, to the actor. I see. I'm assuming here that, you know, you see, you know that the actor can do the work. You know, there, there are people, especially in community theater, who, who come to auditions, sheer unmitigated bravery. They come out and they work and they practice on their auditions. Mm-hmm. You know that maybe they don't quite yet have the experience. But in this case, I think we're looking at a very fine cohort of actors who have signed up. And for people who are looking for that experience, usually what people say is, like, the more you do something, the more you get better at it. Mm-hmm. What are some kind of, like, I guess, resources that maybe young actors in Vancouver could be looking into? 
Well, there are a number of very good acting teachers that you can, in fact, if you have an audition and you have your sides, your script, mm -hmm. you can, in fact, call these people up and have a session with them and they will help you work through your audition. Mm -hmm. uh, you can do that. There are classes in audition technique, uh, definitely for film and television. Mm -hmm. uh, and then, of course, there are just acting classes themselves. People who are training here at UBC, they already have that to hand. I know. Right? It's very, it's, you know, it's, it's lovely to be in a program because that way you have the expertise, you have the people who are qualified to help you learn how to audition. I have to confess, I'm terrible personally in auditions. What? I what do you mean? I come, no, I, and it's, it's a funny thing. I, I, I can do my audition yes. and then I get in there and sometimes it goes well and sometimes it doesn't and I absolutely do not always quite know why or why not. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, it's something as an actor, you just kind of have to keep learning how to do. And you do, you do get better and better at it, of course. But much of it is learning the dynamics of the room. It's a it's a strange thing. It's like you have to, you know, you have to have a job interview for every job you get. That, that's, <laughs> you know, that's, that's true. true. That's, that's what it is for actors. Yeah. Yeah. I wanted to ask then, how prepared should one be for an audition? I have, mm -hmm. I have some actor friends. I have one person who is meticulous. Like she will be like, okay, I know for sure that seven people are going to bring in this thing. So I'm going to bring something completely different mm -hmm. to you you know, stand myself out from the crowd. And I have, like, one guy who's like, yeah, I'll, like, look something up, like, five minutes and then come mm -hmm. in because he says that's more organic for him. Mm -hmm. Well, from my personal perspective, mm -hmm. I don't think you can be too prepared. Mm -hmm. I really do not. Because the process of making a monologue, you take a monologue from a play. Yes. And it fits your age, your gender, your general personal style. You learn it. But then you have to internalize it and make it your own true you can't do i don't think you can do that in like <laughs> oh, five minutes. really quickly <laughs> um you can i think you cannot be too prepared and yet when you walk into the room in a way you have to do what your friend does you have to be simply spontaneous and organic so once again I, that is you know that is the craft the trick the difficulty the challenge of auditioning on the one hand, you've got it all here, and then you have to trust it and forget it and just do it. And that's hard. That is <laughs> At least hard. it is for me. I would say that's like the second hardest thing. The first hardest thing would be, well, uh, I guess rejection. That's like the great fear of auditioning mm -hmm. is coming from, right? Rejection. It's rejection. Well, that's the other lesson you learn, and it's a lot easier to learn. Mm -hmm. You can't take it personally. You just absolutely cannot take it personally. I have done, I do not know how many commercial auditions. And you go in and you, you know, you, you do your thing. If you have a script, you do your little scene. Sometimes it's just, well, tell us something interesting about you. Yeah. <laughs> you honestly cannot take it personally because mm -hmm. for whatever reason you don't get cast, it may have nothing to do with your innate talent, mm -hmm. with your lovely personality, <laughs> with your charm, your sense of humor, your beautiful face, your lovely hair, whatever it is. It has n nothing to do with that. It has to do with, did the director feel that you were the right fit for the role? And you really don't know. That's true. You know, you really do not know what, what idea in 
her or his head, the director and or the writer or the producers actually have. And therefore you cannot, and yet having said that, you come out of an audition and you don't get it, you will go through a couple of hours of, man, why didn't I do that? Why didn't I say that? (laughs) Oh, rats. Oh, man. And then you just get over it. But it's nothing about you personally. I think that's like a really good thing that you mentioned, especially Mm -hmm. with the bit again with how the director envisions the character because everyone Mm -hmm. really does think, you know, is it me? Whereas Mm -hmm. it's like, no, it's not you. It's the character. Mm -hmm. It doesn't fit the character. Mm -hmm. Sorry about that. Yes. And again, so you don't know. And all you can do is go in and do your best and enjoy yourself. And that's the hardest thing. You know, people say breathe. But if you can go in and actually enjoy that opportunity to act a little bit Mm -hmm. in front of people who will appreciate what you do, whether you get the part or not, but they will appreciate the work you've put into it and they'll appreciate the talent that you manifest when you're in there. And speaking about your experience with working both professional and community uh, settings in theater and film, I wanted to ask a little bit more about just zooming in a little into Brave New. We're also doing auditions for staged readings. Right. So how does that work? Uh, Pretty much the same way. Oh, really? Right. As far as I know, and again, I'm, I'm thinking that the directors who will go in knowing what plays they're doing, mm-hmm. they will know whether it's staged readings or not. But it, it requires, I believe, I could be completely wrong, but I believe it, it requires the same ability to inhabit a character. Mm-hmm. A staged reading is almost like a, a, it's a stage in producing a play, mm-hmm. and you always will have an initial reading. A staged reading simply means there's been some direction, there's connection, there's a few actions, there's a little bit of movement, but mm-hmm. it is essentially a reading, and the actors are not necessarily off book. Mm-hmm. They, n- they have their scripts in front of them. For me, I think it would, you would be looking for exactly the same thing. Mm-hmm. The for the character that For the thing. character that you're hoping to, uh, to cast, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's very interesting. So I wanted to ask a little bit more about now your experience in community theater. So mm-hmm. how has being involved in community theater helped you become a director, helped you become an actor, helped you kind of see whether or not people do good additions, but <laughs> just in, in general, okay. how does well, it kind of honed you for your uh, directorial position at Brave New? I think what I've learned from being in community theater is how the whole process works. Mm. And I think what I have learned is that sometimes people are cast and they aren't quite right, but very often actors will rise to the occasion. As I say, I've been on both sides, but more as an actor than a director. I think what I see in community theater is the the collaboration that's required. So sometimes you may get an actor who is strong in some ways and not as strong in other ways. The director can help them develop. Other actors will always help you develop. The community theater scene, I guess is the right word, the community theater scene is among the friendliest and most collaborative and kindest groups of people I've ever worked with. Mm -hmm. Would that be a good place for people who are looking to get experience? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And those those auditions, uh, you go out for them, you'll get cast. You're essentially volunteering a lot Mm -hmm. of the time. 
but you get the experience of seeing a play go from the first reading through to opening night and then the run. Mm -hmm. You get the experience of working with very different kinds of people. You get the experience of working with different kinds of directors, <laughs> which is always useful for an actor. And you see what goes on behind the scenes, which, mm -hmm. of course, we don't see. We go to the theater and there it all is. But we, but behind the scenes, of course, you have the, the most talented group of people, the stage managers, the lighting people, the costume people, the designer, all those people who bring their expertise and their skills to make the whole thing work really well. And that's what I mean when I said at the beginning, it is a collaborative art. There's, mm -hmm. I mean, yes, you can have even have a one-woman show, for instance, but at the same time, there's going to be lighting. There's mm -hmm. going to have been, there will have been some direction. There will be a stage manager. There, you, you know what I'm saying. Um, yeah, it, yeah, it's not and sound. Saying, just like, yeah. not just the actor, yeah. it's everybody. It's, it's there. everybody who's involved, yeah. Mm -hmm. And again, for people who are interested in going to the auditions, they're January 22nd and the 23rd. I can tell you that. Well, uh, the I believe the submissions for headshot and resume submissions were closed on the 19th. Mm, I see. Closed on the 19th, I believe. Mm -hmm. The auditions are actually being held at 612 Main Street. Okay. It is UBC's Learning Exchange down mm -hmm. on Main and I think East Georgia, in that area. Mm -hmm. Anyway, there's a UBC Learning Exchange, 612 Main Street. Mm -hmm. which is kind of a sweet place to go, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and as you said earlier, the staged readings will be on Sunday, March the 19th, and the full productions will run Thursday, March 23rd to the 26th. There are 16 staged readings. Now, all these plays that the creative writing people have written are 10 to 15 minutes long. Yes. Yeah. So if somebody's thinking, my goodness, 16 hours, of no, no, wait, no, no, it's not like that at all. They're, they're a little, like, shorts, yeah, I would go. They are short. They're shorts. Yep. They are shorts. And in a way, it's, it's harder to write a tight, short play than it is to write Longer a great one. big, even a one-act play, right? <laughs> uh, so there are 16 staged readings, and there are 10 full productions. Mm -hmm. And the full productions will run from the 23rd to the 26th. The event takes place at Studio 1398, which is on Granville Island. You know, you go upstairs and you go up to the third floor of 1398, mm -hmm. and there's a lovely, lovely studio theater up there, mm -hmm. and that's where they will take place. All right, sounds great. If people want to have more information, of course, it's going to be on the uh, Brave New yeah. website. Right, so that's B-R-A-V-E-N-E-W. Dot ca brave new that's so great dot ca and it has all the information all the information all the plays all the authors and some of the history of brave new playwrights which has been going on at ubc since 1986 yeah 31 years right it's a little it's i yeah we can't believe it it's like wonderful it's fantastic mm -hmm. it's a wonderful showcase for new writers well, definitely. Thank you so much for your time, uh, Ms. Barbara Ellison. You're going to be a director for the show. Thank you so much for sharing your auditioning tips, to be honest. I think that's a lot of people, especially if they're really interested in you know, acting in Vancouver, are scared of. And it's always good to have such a keen and critical eye in local theater such as yourself. Thank you. Well, it's been a pleasure. I, I'm so looking forward to this festival. I'm so looking forward Me to it. Me too. I can't. But tickets aren't on sale yet, right? 
What's that? Tickets aren't on sale yet? Not not yet. All right. Not yet. But, but then come out and hear and see and listen and watch. It's going to be wonderful. And they should because, and they should do it early because I heard that the venue is quite intimate. It's not a huge venue. No, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm trying to think how many seats, but it's not enormous, that's mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah. But there's also like alternate nights and all that kind of stuff too. So they have to definitely check out the website. They should check out the website. And once it's uh, once the actual schedule is figured out, it, that will be posted, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. great. Thank okay. you again thank so you. much. Thank you. Thanks for listening. And thank you to Ashley for that informative segment. Do tune in again next week for another segment on Brave New Playwrights, exclusively on The Arts Report. We're going to be taking a short break before coming back with coverage on the World Sinophone Drama Competition for Young Playwrights and a upcoming UBC theater production called Love and Information. All this after the break. Stay with us. This is the Arts Report on CITR 101.9 FM. Are you interested in Indigenous issues? Are you down with decolonization? Do you have something to say or have a topic to share? We have just the thing. Join UBC's first-ever Indigenous Radio Collective. We're a team of Indigenous and non-Indigenous people. I'm Niska from my mother. From the Taltan Territory. I'm a settler from Washington State. I'm from the Qualcomm and Musqueam First Nations. I am Quechua Indigenous from Saraguro, Ecuador. We broadcast from the traditional, ancestral, and unceded land of the Hunkaminam-speaking Musqueam people. Whatever you want to talk about, we're into it. Everyone is welcome, no experience necessary. Unceded Airwaves airs every Wednesday from 1 to 2 p.m. on CITR 101.9 FM. And we meet every Thursday from 4 to 5 p.m. to plan our upcoming shows. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Unceded Airwaves. We want to hear your story. I faced it. I have Alzheimer's disease. My diagnosis has let me get on with my life my way. The more we learned about my grandfather's dementia, the more we could face the future and make plans. My husband Tom and I spoke to our doctor right away. I have Alzheimer's, but it doesn't have me. I faced it. So can you. For more information about early diagnosis, visit alzheimer.ca. Welcome back. You are listening to The Arts Report. Now, my beloved bi-weekly co-host and director, Ashley Park, has had a very busy week. She not only interviewed for another segment on Brave New Playwrights, as we heard earlier in this episode, but she also conducted two more interviews covering the World Sinophone Drama Competition for Young Playwrights. What is the World Sinophone Competition, you ask? Well, tune in, because here are two interviews coming at you. Hi there, Arts Report listeners. My name is Ashley Park. Today I'm with director Anna Holman. This is for the World Sinophone Drama Competition for Young Playwrights. And we are actually having readings here at UBC for these plays. So, Anna, welcome. Thank you. Welcome. Can you tell us a little bit more about yourself? Uh, Sure. Um, So I'm a master's student here at UBC. I'm in my second year in theater studies in the Department of Theater and Film. Well, how did you hear about this, first of all, and how did you get involved? Can you tell us more about this competition? Sure. So my advisor was actually in charge of staging these stage readings of these plays, and he came to me knowing that I was a director and asked if I'd like to direct one of them. And this competition is really great. It's for Chinese-speaking people from all over the world, Mm -hmm. and they can write a play either in Chinese or in English, and it gets presented to this competition. 
And if they win, the plays get published, they get translated, and then partnering universities like UBC get to present the plays as stage readings. In your own words, how would you kind of describe bringing these plays into reading? Yeah, so we're not doing a full stage version. Um, Mm -hmm. So a stage reading, basically, we're going to sit and read the script. Looking at it that way, it's kind of a simple process. We just Mm -hmm. take the script, uh, we have a cast, and we get to have an audience there to actually listen to the plays and hear these plays that they might not actually get to hear anywhere else. Mm -hmm. Well, what is the play that you are directing? I am directing Fallacy of the Fist, and this is going to be a really interesting stage reading because it's going to be partially staged. Oh, Um, partially staged. It won't just be people sitting and reading for the whole time. You'll get to see what it might look like in a few scenes if it was staged. Mm -hmm. And this play in particular is especially interesting because it's being done in collaboration with the Face Drama Club here on campus. For people who don't know who Face Drama is, could you tell us more about them? Sure. So they're a Mandarin theater company. Mm -hmm. So all of their plays are done in Mandarin. So what we're going to do is we're going to have the partially staged English version of Fallacy of the Fist, and then Mm -hmm. immediately following you'll get to see the Mandarin fully staged version. Oh, cool. Mm -hmm. So what are you into this play? What is about Fallacy of the Fist that's so kind of intriguing to you? Yeah, it's a really interesting play. Um, So it takes place during the Boxer Rebellion in China Mm -hmm. between uh, 1899 and 1901. But what really spoke to me about it was it really talks about the absurdity of war no matter what the time that Mm -hmm. it's being presented in. The play is really interesting. It's very much from a storyteller's point of view. Oh, I see. Um, It's a little bit avant-garde. It's a little bit absurdist. Mm -hmm. Um, And and I loved it because it was for an ensemble cast. Okay. What have you noticed about this play in particular that's different from other plays, maybe from like a Western point of view or some that you have also personally directed? I think just the perspective is really great. Mm -hmm. Um, To hear... These plays told from the point of view of someone like the playwright who's from Taiwan. Mm-hmm. So often here in Canada and um, the Western part of the world, we're always hearing narratives from uh, Western playwrights. Mm-hmm. And so these plays are really great because we get a chance to hear voices from all over the world. I see. And talking about Fallacy of the Fist, and again, with you as the director of a reading, can you tell us more about that? So what is the difference between being a director for a reading and being director for a stage series? And the thing is, people kind of like, I don't know why, people look down on readings. They're like, ah, readings, that's not the full thing. But they're so crucial and important to the, I guess, the process of um staging a play in the future too. Right, so I think the thing with a stage reading that's really helpful is to hear it out loud and to hear Mm -hmm. it in front of an audience without having to completely stage it. So sometimes, you know, the words or the intentions of the playwright or the themes of the play can sort of be overshadowed or lost when you put it Mm -hmm. um, with full lighting and costumes and the full production value. So this is a really great way just to hear the words and hear what the playwright was trying to say. Mm -hmm. And you as a director, because you are going to put your take on the play, what are some things that you are interested in bringing forth with your directing style? So I tend to like directing very movement-based pieces. I see. So for a stage reading, it's kind of interesting because there's not a lot of movement in stage readings. Mm -hmm. Um, But I am going to bring that into some of the scenes will actually be staged, and they Mm -hmm. will be movement-based scenes. I see. Which uh, this play really lends itself well to. Um, It's really 
it, I think it'll be really great to see sort of some non-traditional movement put to the words. What do you mean by non-traditional movement? So sometimes when you stage a scene, you'll have people, you know, standing in the scene talking to one another. Yes. And their blocking is very much, well, this character goes here and that character goes there and mm-hmm. they talk to this person. Uh, and instead, when you come at it from a physical place, it's more about the tone of the scene mm-hmm. and how do we physicalize that in our bodies? How do we put what they're saying into our bodies in a way that's much, that connects the words to the whole body? Yes. Mm-hmm. I see, not just only for, like, the sake of, like, how does it look like on stage, like, performance-wise. Mm-hmm, right. I see. Right. That's so interesting. So when is Fauci the Fifth going to be put up for reading? I don't know what to say. Was like, staged for reading? Like, basically, when can people see it? Right, right. So it's going to be February 8th. February 8th. At 7 p.m. Mm-hmm. in the Dorothy Somerset. And immediately following the English version is the Mandarin version. Oh, I see. So it's like so, a double feature. Yeah, exactly. Almost. Yeah. And both plays will probably run about an hour, mm-hmm. um, so there'll be a brief intermission. And yeah, we'd l- really love for people to come and see this play done in two extremely different ways. I wanted to ask, like, if people wanted to go see it, mm-hmm. is it only for that one night? So the English version is only for that one night. All right, so one thing to know, English version, one night, but... Then the Face uh, Drama Club, they will continue for the next several nights. Oh, great. Um, And those actually um, are paid performance. You have to pay to see those performance. Okay. But if you come on February 8th, it's totally free. What? A free performance double feature February 8th? (laughs) That sounds good to me. Right. Sounds good to you? Yeah, and uh, just in case people are worried, um, there there will be subtitles for both productions. Oh, wonderful! In English and Chinese. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, great. Well, thank you so much for uh, coming by and letting us know about uh, Fauci the Fist, as well as the World uh, Sinophone Drama Competition for Young Playwrights. Seems very interesting, and it, this is the first time that UBC has done it before, right? Yeah, yeah, it's really exciting for us um, as a university to get to present these plays. Mm-hmm. And we hope that they do more of these. These sounds really great. Absolutely. Thank you so much for joining us. This is Anna Holman, the director for Fauci the Fist, and the show will be February the 8th. Hi there. So we are with another director for the World Sinophone Wait Competition for Young Playwrights. There I go. There you go. There I go. And this is uh, Director Yuri Chang. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself, please? Sure. Uh, I was actually born and raised in Vancouver, and I studied theater at uh, Capilano College and Simon Fraser uh, successively. Uh, eventually worked in the industry in, in the performing arts, and after about 10 years returned to university to undertake graduate studies in theater here oh, at UBC. Wonderful. Yeah. In your own words, how would you kind of describe this festival? So I know they had a competition, they had all these people who speak Chinese all around the world and they sent in their plays. Can you tell us a little bit about how you feel about it and, and just the actual competition in general? Sure, yeah, it's actually a very exciting endeavor here at UBC Theater Studies. My direct supervisor, Stephen Liu, or Sion Liu, uh, initiated this uh, collaboration with the World Cinephone Drama Competition for Young Playwrights, mm-hmm. and it's the first time, as far as I know, that these plays will be staged in repertory here in Canada. And because Stephen Liu has uh, connections with China, he made this uh, agreement so that we would actually uh, launch a premiere staged reading of three of the top winning plays. Yes, I I noticed that too. I'm really excited. So how did you get involved? 
Well, I'm a, actually trained as an actor and director, and yes. before I, I became an emerging scholar, I, I worked in, like I, like I mentioned, I've worked in the industry, and so my supervisor knows that, and I'm quite close with the faculty and my peers in the department, and we're a very uh, strong and tight-knit department. So I think my supervisor knew that I had a directing background. There are two other graduate students who are directing their plays, mm-hmm. and I guess we just got together, and he, he had put out a call and asked whether we'd be interested in, in hosting this inaugural series. Let's talk about your play. Can you let us know about what your play is called and what it's about? Sure. It's called Holy Crab. With a B. Uh, yeah, with a B. <laughs> it's a, and it has an explanation mark. And so mm-hmm. I think it's a bit of a tongue, uh, tongue-in-cheek because the playwright Zhu Yi uh, is actually from uh, Shanghai. Mm-hmm. And she moved to the United States to study at uh, New York University. Oh. And, yeah, and just finished her Master's of Fine Arts in Playwriting. And uh, mm-hmm. this playwright, uh, Zhu Yi, is really, I think, on the cusp of something really, really fascinating. Uh, She's been awarded not only the top play this year in the competition, Mm -hmm. but she deals with kind of racial and cultural politics that are happening in the United States, and it's very timely. So what kind of drew you to this play exactly for you as an artist, you as a director? It's, it's, it's a fascinating play that takes place in Manhattan, um, mm-hmm. in New York, and it, it has a great uh, sense of humor, even mm-hmm. as it deals with uh, really pressing issues. I mentioned racial politics or cultural misunderstandings. So in that, in that regard, I would consider it a dark comedy. Okay. Um, it doesn't pull its punches, and I don't think any person of any cultural background is spared in this play, <laughs> but I think the oh playwright boy. does it very tastefully because she's mm-hmm. very intelligent and very smart, and having come from Shanghai and then moved to New York City, I think she's very aware of what's happening in terms of the the new president-elect and some of the the cultural issues happening as we shift. Yeah, True. So what have you noticed about this play in particular that is different from other plays made from a Western point of view strongly or even some other plays that you personally have directed? Okay. You know, that's an interesting question. Mm -hmm. I would say that there is... um, a real sensitivity in terms of how we represent characters mm. here in Vancouver. And I think uh, a lot of the discussion on equity and diversity results in people playing a very careful card and sometimes even walking on eggshells. True. And so when I read this play, it really popped off the page for me because the playwright didn't pull her punches at all <laughs> and yet did so in a manner that was so tasteful. Mm-hmm. And so the the play really, I think, hits home. It's, it's very lively and all the characters are very diverse and I, I, I think in last count we had at least seven different cultural heritages represented. And yet oh, it's, wow. written in, it's written in English. I see. Um, Talking more about um, the actual fact that we are going to be hosting these plays first time, first uh, even reading, yes. staged reading. How important is it that plays have that process of going through mm. a reading? Well, as I understand, some of these plays have had um, some of their initial showings. I'm not oh, sure if they've, yeah, if they've ever been produced fully, mm-hmm. but I know um, some of the New York audiences have, have heard these plays. And what's interesting about this competition is that uh, the original plays were written in Chinese, oh. and they had Chinese nationals translate the plays uh, into English. Oh, cool. Uh, but what's really interesting is a lot of the Chinese playwrights are actually now Chinese Americans because they've they've moved to the States and they've mm-hmm. decided to, to take up residency there. And so... 
I think what's interesting about this particular series is that it is very Sino-friendly. It's it's very Asian-friendly, mm-hmm. and it takes a very interesting global perspective. And uh, Vancouver, as we know, is like right on the cusp of the Pacific Rim. So I think our That's demographic true. at UBC and in Vancouver would be very interested in this series as a whole. I think so as well. I think it's very interesting that you brought it forward that people in the East Coast have already seen it, and now it's kind of like I maybe it's the first time in the West Coast? Yeah, I think so. Okay, good. So at least I'm right on that. Yeah. So I think it's really interesting that you even brought it up, especially here in uh, UBC, because sometimes we there is a lot of undercurrent of, I don't want to say like racial tension, but we like I would say like people notice each other's race. I think so. Yeah. I think the even the construction of race. I picked up a book yesterday, and it was all about uh, the construction of the notion of diversity. Yes. And so, what what does diversity mean? Are is is a group of people diverse because they're not of Caucasian descent, or are they diverse because they come from a different country? Mm-hmm. And if you're from Vancouver and you're from an Asian heritage, does that mean you're diverse? And so that that whole notion is a very social construction, mm-hmm. and yet we can't we can't be uh, blind to the fact is that UBC has a very international demographic. It does. And in, in fact, UBC relies, I think, both uh, kind of socially and culturally and economically on the the input, both the intellectual input, the economic input, and the cultural input of international students. Mm-hmm. And so a series like this, to have the inauguration of the series here at UBC is kind of unprecedented. I think so as well. And I just want to ask a little bit about the title, because a lot of people, I feel a lot of people are going to ask about the title. Why Holy Crab? Why Crabs? Okay. So the play is an interesting uh, take on what's happening or what happened in New York City between 2008 and 2011. Mm -hmm. And so two of the uh, inspirational points for this play, Holy Crab, was the fact that uh, there was a an influx of Chinese mitten crabs in Hudson River, okay. right outside of yeah. Manhattan. And the New York state had issued almost like a public health warning <laughs> that these uh, smaller crabs uh-huh. that had the origins in Asia were invading the species and were actually taking over the Hudson River. Oh, I see. And so uh, obviously the, the mitten crab isn't indigenous to, to New York, mm-hmm. um, but in certain parts of the world, including certain parts of Asia, the Chinese mitten crab is, is, is a delicacy, right? Yes. In the same way, that the, the Dungeness crab is indigenous to BC. And so what happened was there was this health warning and the language apparently, because I've seen some of the original press releases from, from back in the, the middle of 2000s, the, it was very much about a foreign species taking over, oh, taking residency. Yeah. And apparently the mitten crabs are, are small but mighty. They're very, they're very tiny and yet very <laughs> aggressive. Yeah. They have these funny mittens. I have even seen a photo of the crabs. They're quite interesting like mm-hmm. character crabs they actually have a mitten that looks like these kind of hudson's bay <laughs> kind of like uh wool mittens and, yeah. and they're quite hairy and furry around their the top i see <laughs> in the top parts of their their claws and so to some they might not be they might not seem like they they're, they're something that you want to eat right off the bat mm-hmm. uh, and i have i've never tasted them but apparently they're quite delectable <laughs> and the and i think perhaps the playwright is playing off of the holy crap, you know, yep. holy crap, because, you know, I don't believe it. All of these crabs are, are coming into our rivers. And I guess that might be the experience when I think uh, 
people in North America might feel like there are influxes of different cultures or different mm-hmm. different groups. And to, to tell you the truth, there's been an influx continuously uh, from Europe, from Asia, from Africa, from everywhere. True. So an actual fact that we, we experience tides of influx and tides of migrants. And so the play, as per the playwright, isn't necessarily about Asian migration. It's just about cultural misunderstandings and how people integrate. I see. Yeah. And so if people want to see this show, Holy Crab, when is it and where is it? Okay, so we have three different uh, plays running in repertory. Yes. The first play is Holy Crab, uh, running on Wednesday, January 25th. Oh, January 25th, that's two weeks from now. That's exactly, actually it's a week from this Wednesday. It's a week from this Wednesday. Yeah, so oh. I guess in nine days. Yeah, that's true. A little bit more than a week then. A little more than a week and it's at 7.30pm at the Dorothy Somerset Studios and that is about five minutes walk from the UBC bookstore and the address is 6361 University Boulevard. Um, it's very easy to find if you do the Google map on UBC. Uh, yeah. It's Dorothy Somerset Studios at 7.30 p.m. on January 25th, Wednesday. And it's free for everybody. It's free for the whole UBC Wait community. Wait a second. Free? You believe it? It's free. Yeah. I mean, we have the <laughs> BA and BFA students who are dedicated, and they're part of the program, and they're learning their craft right mm-hmm. now. And so a lot of the studio showings uh, tend to be free for the community. Yes. And because it's not a full production, but we have added some production elements the costs are, are not huge to produce it, but I can mm-hmm. tell you that I'm working with a great cast of eight actors right now. Wow. Uh, there's a lot of energy. Yes. There's a lot of respect for the work. And I can guarantee almost that someone will either laugh or they'll go away with a little bit of um, reflection. Uh, it's a really smart play. Wonderful, wonderful. And is it only for the 25th of January? My play will only play once. Rather than having a run, we decided to have three plays and give each play uh, one performance. Mm-hmm. And so on the following Wednesday, February 1st, will be Dirty Paws by one of my colleagues, Katrina Dunn, who's also a PhD theater study student. Mm-hmm. And then on the following Wednesday, on February 8th, will be Fallacy of the Fist, uh, directed by Anna Holman, who's a master's student um, in theater studies. Mm-hmm. And then something special after that, for the three days following uh, February 8th, on the 9th, 10th, and 11th, a local UBC theater group called Face Drama Group yes. uh, will be presenting Fallacy of the Fist in Mandarin. Oh, wonderful. And so it's all uh, unprecedented because this is the first time where the department's actually hosting its own Cinephone play reading series. Yes, and we're also connecting with the student-run uh, Chinese language group. How does it feel being the one of the first directors of what I'm actually really hoping for is kind of like a series that they do every year. I think you're right, Ashley. I'm pretty sure that uh, my supervisor will do whatever he can to to open the door so that we can host this yearly. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's just the, the beginning of something larger because this is the first time that I've heard any kind of emerging cinephone playwright getting their, their start at UBC. Same, same here, same here. I, I think it's so wonderful that you are, are a part of it and thank you so much for joining us. That's director Yuri Chang. This is for Holy Crab. Again, January the 25th at Dorothy Somerset at 7 p.m. And it is only a one-night show, so you can't miss it, okay? If you miss it, you'll be, holy crap, I can't believe I missed, holy <laughs> That's crap. That's right, and it's free, and you can bring your friends, and I think there are about, like, 60 to 80 seats in the studio, so come early. Mm-hmm. Come early. All right, thank you so much. Thanks, Ashley. You are listening to The Arts Report on CITR 101.9 FM. Stay tuned, because right after the break, we'll be hearing from Jess about Love and Information, a new production by the UBC Department of Theatre and Film. Fate, sex, God, everyone has a secret. 
In a series of tantalizing vignettes, over a hundred characters search for love and information. They discover themselves and each other through tango, torture, and karaoke. UBC Theatre and Film presents Love and Information. Written by influential and award-winning playwright Carol Churchill. And directed by MFA candidate Lauren Taylor. For tickets, visit theaterfilm.ubc.ca. Sit back. Relax. Don't miss Jack Velvet's Suburban Jungle Show. With plenty of funk, soul, surf, and more music. Wednesdays, 8 to 10 a.m. at 101.9 FM in Vancouver. Add us on Twitter, at Jack Velvet Radio. Find us online at jackvelvet.net. Welcome back, Arts Report listeners. Thanks for joining me today. So one of the coolest things about being a director for the Arts Report is getting to work with volunteers and train them on how to create material for the show. Now, oftentimes, because of how busy things can get around the station, interviews, reviews, and a lot more are taken up by either Ashley or I or a seasoned arts reporter like Jake Clark. But I am excited to announce that a new voice went ahead and interviewed the director of UBC Theatre's latest production, Love and Information, which, by the way, is opening tomorrow at the Freddie Wood Theatre. Jessica Lynn interviewed MFA directing candidate Lauren Taylor about the show Love and Information. Take a listen. Hi, I'm Lauren. Tell me about Love Information. What's it about? Well, it's about love and information. It, it's a re- it's an unusual play that is about, for me, human motivation mm-hmm. um, and the two driving forces in our lives that are kind of at the core of everything. Uh, love, the need for love, the quest for love and the need for information right. um, and how those two things impact each other. So it's told through a series of 60 self-contained scenes that bear no relationship to each other. They're mostly two-person scenes um, concerning people in relationship to each other. And it's just about sort of their search for meaning and the impact of um, what information does to their relationship, um, their relationship to memory, um, interpreting information, um, impacting each other. Um, the, for example, the opening scene is a scene called Secret, and it's between two best friends, and one of them is begging the other person to tell them a secret and um, sort of claiming that it, it, their friendship isn't worth anything unless that person divulges the secret. So it kind of explores that delicious moment of really, 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 really wanting to know a secret. Right. Um, and the best friend doesn't want her want to tell her the secret because she fears what it will do to the relationship Um, and so in the end she does tell her the secret and it does change the relationship and so then the scene suddenly ends and we never see those people again oh no so the whole play is comprised of these little exchanges if you will like human moments between people who you only meet for a very short amount of time um, and it kind of all adds up to one big experience for the audience but I think um, I think every audience member is going to take something different from it mm-hmm. um, and have a different experience so yeah. it's quite unusual yeah how how um how was the process in putting so many storylines together like what were some challenges that you met um, it was very busy there was a lot of prep that went into it Mm -hmm. um 
for example, logistically, um, the playwright Carol Churchill doesn't give you any character names or genders or ages. Um, It's simply spoken lines of text. So it's up to you to determine how many people are in the scene. And it's clear when you read it that most of them are Um, two-handers. But you have to figure out everything else, like where it's set, um, what the relationship is between these two people, who Mm -hmm. these two people are. You Mm -hmm. have to sort of decide all of that for yourself um, based on the given circumstances in each scene. Right. Um, So that was a lot of work from the beginning. Mm -hmm. Um, We have four designers working on this show, costume designer, lighting designer, sound designer and set designer, and all four of us had to come together very, very early on to determine um, our our sort of map through the show. Uh, For example, there's... I think there's four over 450 costume pieces mm-hmm. um, because there's over 120 characters um, and because we wanted each of those characters to be unique individuals rather than just dressed all the same, um, that means that the costume prep was pretty significant. Mm-hmm. There's over 200 lighting cues and 130 sound cues, so the design process for all just of the everything designers... Everything sounds so insane, like... <laughs> making art it's such like <laughs> it sounds like so much hard work but it must be fun as well like you get like a lot of uh creative like room to kind of imagine these character storylines even though it's a lot yeah i mean the actors have also contributed a lot to that as well they've put in hours and hours of their own research and time in creating who these people are Mm -hmm. um most of them have six different characters to play in the show some of them have eight um and they've also sort of brought a lot of that creativity to the process in terms of building the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, we're kind of, yeah, it's, it's kind of really unusual because we, we've all sort of become one brain, <laughs> <laughs> if you will. I'm getting a visual in my head. I'm not sure if I like it. <laughs> it's pretty interesting. Well, also because, I mean, what we've found that we've been going through is um, experiencing some of the themes that the play brings up because it also looks at I think I mentioned earlier um, human motivation and um, the balance between thoughts and feelings and how we make the choices that we make in our everyday life whether they're big choices or little choices Um, uh, oh I lost my train of thought (laughs) Um, but I did want to ask if I'm I'm sorry do you want to get your train of thought back oh yeah if I can um like human motivation. Your audio levels are great. <laughs> <laughs> the process. What was I talking about? The process of. Oh yeah, like how we make choices and how the human brain works. Okay. Because um, I personally think that the play is also. It was written in 2012, so it's already almost five years old. But it's also looking at w- what's the difference between the human brain and a programmable brain like that you know humans are data but humans are not just data Mm -hmm. at the same time so it sort of explores those ideas which I think is really important given that we're on the cusp of quite a big AI boom um, that I think is going to sort of 
revolutionise society, personally. (laughs) So, um, yeah, I think kind of looking at what is the human space and how are we different and how do we interpret things differently and um, how how we all live side by side, I guess. Right. Um, I just, yeah, so I just want to ask, like, uh, do you think the play has taught you anything? Oh, yeah, immensely. About your life? Like, uh, can you say something specific, like, without giving too much away? Mm. I think, um, you know, every play that you work on, you learn something from, and I think that's why a lot of people like being in theatre or the arts is because they're kind of lifelong learners um that's a tough one to kind of answer on the spot in terms of like what I one thing that I've specifically learned from this play um I mean if you can think of something if not it's fine um, yeah I'll have to come back to that I think (laughs) that's a tough one don't worry about it but um, what do you think audiences, uh, what do you want them to take away from watching it? Like what feeling, what thought do you want to leave them with? Um, ideally, um, a sense of um, that as humans we're all precious and unique and fragile and fallible and extraordinary. Um, I think a sense of hope uh, and um, but I, I also hope that that um, you can take away the ability to discuss some of the concepts that are raised in the play as well like mm-hmm. I don't want to sort of um, have a production that has like a prescriptive definitive single meaning because I think it's a play that doesn't let you do that also it's about love that's not going to be, you know, it's a, I guess it's, for me, it's not like a problem to be solved, you know, it's something to be, that's kind of like growing, especially with the age of information that we live in, I guess. Mm-hmm. And how do we balance, like, how do we keep all that in balance? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, too much love versus too much information, you know, you sort of kind of want to keep a balance and can both. they coexist and should they, you know? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean, Carol Churchill, as a playwright, famously wrote, you know, playwrights don't give answers, they ask questions. Mm -hmm. And this is a play that definitely, I think, asks a lot of questions of everyone, including the audience. Um, So I've tried to keep it sort of fairly open in terms of my interpretation of it so that everyone can, as an audience member, sort of piece together what they take from it. Mm -hmm. Um, But also, like, the... In dealing with the concept of love, a lot of the relationships aren't necessarily like romantic relationships. They're familial relationships or, you know, they're what what people mean to each other just on a day-to-day level, like between, say, employees and the employer or Mm -hmm. um, like there's one scene between two torturers. It's it's called torture. Every scene has a title. Um, And it's sort of it's about the torturer needing a break from his job. And asking the other torturer to give him a break mm-hmm. from the job. And so it's kind of just this tiny microcosm of a human sort of scenario wow. that, yeah, you probably don't think about. Like, you you know, you don't sort of spare a lot of thought to 
people whose jobs are so horrible that that's what they need to do. You can check out the full-length interview just had with Lauren at our CITR Arts Report Mixcloud page, which you can find a link for in the podcast description. That is all for this week's Arts Report, and to end off our show, we've got actually a special song to play us out. It's called 32 Flavors by Annie DeFranco, and this one was suggested to us by another new arts reporter, Zach. With all the interviews today about accomplished women in the Vancouver theatre industry, we thought it would be fitting to play a song in celebration of women and the ambitions women, women may have, beyond looks and beauty. (laughs) So if you like what you hear, do tune in again next week for another edition of the Arts Report, where Zach will be back with another song and and most likely a full introduction to you guys. So thank you again for tuning in. For more information on anything we talked about on today's program, feel free to reach out to The Arts Report on Facebook and Twitter. Our Twitter handle is at CITR underscore Arts Report, and you can find us on Facebook under the name The Arts Report on CITR 101.9 FM. My name is Christine Kim. Good evening.
Yeah. 